We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson in studio with Robin Jones Gunn. And we are on part two of Betsy Stockton. And she was the um, black missionary who was born into slavery, uh, but came to Christ when she was how old? A teenager, they weren't sure how old, maybe Mm -hmm. 16. Wow. And from there, the Lord led her to the mission field in Hawaii. And we've just gone through this uh, tumultuous voyage, and she's just gone around uh, Cape Horn. Right. And uh, she writes beautifully. So she's almost Hawaii. What's going on, Robin? And so we must say, if you have not listened to part one. Yes, please go back. Please do. But here we are with. Part two. Now, I read from Betsy's journal and was explaining how she wrote home that she'd never been happier in her life. But here's how realistic that five months of sailing around Cape Horn, you know, to get to the Hawaiian Islands from uh, New England. Connecticut, right. She also wrote home very honestly and said, Leaving home to become a missionary does not, I find, make peace with the great enemy. Mm. I find my heart still inclined to forget God and Mm. to wander in the paths of sin. We have no place in the ship to which we can retire and spend a moment in secret with our God. Mm. This is one of my greatest privations, for the poor spark of my breast requires to be constantly fanned by prayer to keep it from being extinguished. Mm. Sometimes I feel as though it were almost out. And then she signed that letter to the Green family with feelings which neither time nor space can change. Yours mm. humbly, Betsy. Wow. So not all, no. you know, fairy tale mm-hmm. impression of what she was doing as a mm-hmm. 24-year-old right. woman. I'm just so in love with Jesus and enjoying <laughs> this so much. It's it's real. It's like I'm perturbed. I don't get any time alone. Yes. It, it's a crowded deck. It's, you know, I'm sharing my quarters with others and— um, it would be so hard for people like you and I, especially, to not have any time alone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We love those times just with the Lord and yeah. just alone, um, alone with your thoughts and to think and to even to form words. Well, for her to be willing to share that, I think, mm-hmm. tells a lot about her that she was so humble, had mm-hmm. no guile, and was just, this is what I'm going through. Yep. And that helps us. That's right. Because we know now, all these years later— that's a woman in ministry is going to feel that. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Sister Betsy, mm-hmm. for giving That's right. words. That's right. Yeah. So um, they are about to arrive uh, in the Hawaiian Islands. Okay. Uh, let me just say this. From yes. My yes. own studies. Um, I remember reading about these sailors who misnamed the Pacific Ocean Pacific. And they said that it was more tumultuous mm. than even the Atlantic That it made the Atlantic look very calm. And so, you know, we tend to think, well, now she's around the Cape, but this is not smooth sailing. still rough. Mm -hmm. And even in her journals, there's um, descriptions. I didn't add them all here, but when they were in the Atlantic, there was a time when it was doldrums. There's no Mm -hmm. wind. Mm -hmm. And some of those young 20-something missionary men jumped in the ocean and swam with the sailors. And had a great time and then had to be pulled up with ropes and 
they had flying fish and the, the right. descriptions of the, it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then they get to the Pacific. The Pacific. It's, mm-hmm. choppy, it's not choppy, Pacific. Windy, windy. Yes. It's Pacific not is not pacified. pacified. Yes, that's right. It is. So it's 13 days before they arrive in the Hawaiian Islands. They're getting closer. They're almost there. And Harriet has a baby on ship. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Betsy's there to help. It's a healthy baby boy. And Betsy wrote, from the first moment that I saw the little innocent, I felt emotions that I was unacquainted with before. I was happy to have it in my power to be of some assistance mm. to my best friends. Oh, that's precious. It is. Oh, so that's have... that's going to show how much it's going to hurt when she loses Harriet, though. So yes, it's I a pre- did it's a pre- give a little foreshadowing. Yes, there. yes. Sorry about that. Show. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they arrived on um, the Big Island of Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, and when they arrived, they were greeted by three canoes loaded with natives. Now these are the commoners, and we talked about this before. Both is this the one with the bananas, right? Yeah. Well, this, this is was, banana story. This no, this was oh. um, two years earlier. Okay, was when the um, Lucy Thurston arrived, and they this canoe came with, yep, with bananas, the, right? <laughs> with the bananas, and it was the natives who were in the lower class, which mm. was the majority of the people mm-hmm. that lived there, and the royalty, the ali'i, were big and strong because they got all the good food, and mm-hmm. they were a very privileged class. And then the rest of the commoners would just mm-hmm. be you know, fend for themselves sort of thing. So, uh, and that's a generalization, not mm-hmm. completely accurate, but just to kind of give you that idea of how Betsy describes that when they see these three canoes loaded with natives, she said their appearance was that of half man and half beast, mm. naked, mm-hmm. except for a narrow strip of tapa around their loins. When they first came on board, the sight chilled our very hearts. <laughs> The ladies retired to the cabin and burst into tears, mm. and some of the gentlemen turned pale. Mm. My own soul sickened within me, and every nerve trembled. Are these, I thought, the beings with whom I must spend the remainder of my life? Mm. They are men and have souls, was the reply which mm. my conscience made. In a short time, our unpleasant feelings were much dissipated, mm. and that that, you know, revelation to her conscience stayed with her constant from then on that these are men made by God and they have souls. Mm. And and she never wavered from that. You know, that is just so good for all of us because, you know, mm. one of the things that people tend to do is devaluate, devalue one another. And, you know, once you devalue someone, you can say, well, you know, they're expendable. But when you see mm. them as uh, men and women created in the image of God exactly, and created by God, then all of a sudden every person, whether they receive Jesus or not, has value. And we have to yeah. value them. Amen, sister. Yeah, preach it. Yeah. <laughs> you and Betsy. Yeah. You got it. Um, so they then sailed on to Honolulu, and that's where they met other missionaries that had come two years earlier in that first company of missionaries. They were treated well. They were given food. And um, on uh, May 28th, Kaahumanu, who's the ruling queen of the islands then, she has 
taken in this second company of missionaries who've come to be teachers and preachers, and she requested that some of them accompany her to Lahaina on the island of Maui, and she selected the stewards, Charles and Harriet, and their new little baby boy, and of course then Betsy, Mm. and also the Ruggles. I think I called her Becky Stockton earlier. Betsy. 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 Becky Stockton. That's someone in history, too, but Betsy Stockton. I've got to get that right. Yep. Um, I mean, her proper name, Elizabeth, but she went Mm -hmm. by Betsy. So there they are. They have arrived, and they've just popped in at the big island to figure out what to do. Well, well, let's get to Honolulu on the island of Oahu, and then they're sent from there on the same schooner that um, Kahumanu is on. Wow. They sail with her. That's a privileged schooner. Mm -hmm. Yes. She wanted them. She, She picked them. And right away on Maui, they were given a place to live, and it was given to them by Liho Liho. You might remember him. He was the son of, mm-hmm. yep, of Kamehameha the Great, and he was in his early 20s, so same age as these missionaries. Mm. Big man, over six feet tall, and he had arrived in Lahaina and had it in his power to provide them with a place to live and to sort of bless them being there. And he um, was there with two of his four wives. So they they all just embraced this group of missionaries, which is a little different than the very first bunch that mm-hmm. were like, who are you and what are you doing right. here? We who trust had to you kind because of right, earn you, their trust. Yeah, mm-hmm. you showed up with your wives and children, which is different from the whalers and sailors mm-hmm. and traders, so you can come live here. But now, two years later, they're like, yes, come and teach mm. us. And so uh, he told them, and Betsy wrote about this, that he told them... Um, and this is Liho Liho. Yes, Liho Liho. Um, he told them that he is afraid of the fire. That was the quote, afraid of the fire, which meant alcohol and that he had made several attempts to refrain, but had been unsuccessful. Oh. So he's like confessing yes. to the missionaries right yes. away. And Betsy wrote about him. In his manners, he is quite a gentleman. He reads and writes well. We regret very much that he is given to drink. Mm. And um, he and one of his wives sailed to England, I think, a year after that, and both got measles in London and and died. So that was just an extraordinary moment mm-hmm. in time that she met him. So right after they get there in Lahaina, they are invited to have a church service, um, their very first Sunday on island. And Betsy described it as, our place of worship was nothing but an open place on the beach mm. with a large tree to shelter us. Mm. On the ground, a large mat was laid on which the chiefs sat to the right, there was a sofa and a number of chairs. On these, the missionaries, the king, and the principal persons sat. The Kanakas, or the lower class of people, sat on the ground in rows, leaving a passage open to the sea from which the breeze was blowing. Mm. I, just, I love so that because for many years in Lahaina, um, my husband and I went to a church that met at the beach like that, mm-hmm. Calvary Chapel, that's still there after 30 years of faithfully, they have a building now, but that that 
chance to worship on a Sunday morning and look out at the ocean yeah. and see the whales jumping. <laughs> used to be the same thing at Calvary Chapel North Shore on Oahu. Yes. That it was all open. I mean, it was yeah. just nothing more than an awning that you sat under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody would bring their own beach chairs from mm-hmm. home and mm-hmm. worship. Oh, boy, did we worship. Um, so after the service, Betsy says, the queen, Kahumanu, called me. And she requested that I should come and take a seat next to her on the sofa, which I did, although I could say but a few words which she could understand. So this sweetness right away that Kahumano says, I want you, 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 you to come with me to Lahaina. And of all those five missionaries, I want you to come sit with me. Now, And their friendship began. Let's just say on that sofa, Kahumanu is six feet tall and she's big. 300 pounds. 300 pounds. And here's okay. little here's little Betsy yeah. sitting next and to her. No, there's only one picture of Betsy and it was drawn when she was in her 60s. So we don't know really yes. what her size, size or, was. Mm-hmm. And at 24, 25, mm-hmm. what was she at that point? So that was significant because then in the morning, one of the king's boys, so this would be Liho Liho, and it says one of his boys... And that would mean servant because he never had any children. So one of his servants, which would be lower class, came to the house where they were staying, and he said he desired to be instructed in English. So it was thought that it would be well for Betsy to engage in the work, and why not start at once? So she says that she collected a proper number of students and commenced. I had four English and six Hawaiian scholars. Wow. So she started school. I mean, mm-hmm. they haven't even been there a week, a week and a half. And she's she's teaching. The um, Her journal entries end with the very next entry, which is on July 3rd, when she went with a number of the natives to a taro patch. And um, she also purchased some pineapples. And that's it. And, oh, I wish she would have kept writing. And I just want to say that to anybody who feels like, I should write a story about my grandma. She had it. Or about your, just write the story. Right. Like, you don't right. know. Yes. But oh, it might bless somebody many years I later. I wonder if she just got too busy, too. Oh, I mean, absolutely. teaching. That was it. Um, teaching and then, you know, um, adjusting to life on Hawaii. Was there time? Yes. Was now, there time? Was she so taken up? And then, you know... Where, what would she do with it? it? The expense of having a journal then, too, That's would true. have been expensive, too. When I've been at the Hawaiian, uh, the Mission House's Museum um, and seen the original letters in the archives, they had to, this limited space on the paper, so they would write horizontally, and then they'd continue the letter writing vertically in between the letters. My goodness. This crossword. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen that, it's just fast because they had to cram as right. much as they could on there. Sounds like my college notes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. She also had training in um, nursing. And so mm-hmm. she was able to, so they started lining up. Right. We've got this ailment. Right. Help us here. Right. And Especially probably midwifery. Exactly. And here's, because she's experienced having delivered mm-hmm. baby Charles on the ship. That's right. And and Charles is an infant still, mm-hmm. and her best friend Betsy is ill mm-hmm. much of the time, and she's teaching, and uh, Charles is preaching, mm-hmm. and when he would preach, the the 
the people of Maui would gather. He mm. really had amazing magnetism. Yeah, just mm-hmm. spiritual magnetism. Whatever mm-hmm. it was that they were so hungry on mm-hmm. that island to have this man come and but Betsy by this point was fluent in Hawaiian mm. and um the others were still learning so mm-hmm. they have translators. But with her fluency in in Hawaiian from having been seated on the ship on the way there, they put her with the Hawaiian men who just right. happened to be getting passage back to the Hawaiian Islands. Like, you can go sit with those guys. And every meal, she just developed for five months to perfect her, her Hawaiian. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So she starts this class, and it's with this lower class of the Hawaiians, which is the first time it's happened. When the two years earlier, the first wave of missionaries came, the ali'i, the royalty, said, we want you to teach our children and mm-hmm. and uh, the adults who were chiefs and royalty. Mm-hmm. Nobility of Hawaii. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, but the commoners, yeah, they don't need to. Yeah. But in order for those commoners to have any rights or any say or any power, they had to learn to read and write mm-hmm. in Hawaiian. And and I remember you were saying, too, right, that the sailors were taking advantage of these people because they were illiterate. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons that Kama Kahumanu Kahumanu wanted to learn to read and write so she wouldn't be taken advantage of. And now we need it for the other people, too, so they don't get taken advantage of. Exactly. So her class just keeps growing and growing Mm. and growing. And she taught history, English, Latin, and algebra And then she especially worked to train students to become teachers. Land was given to her for the school. It was given by the wife of Governor Hoapili of Maui. And uh, her time was consumed Mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. There was was so much. Now, when they were um, settled in Lahaina and Charles was preaching, we talked about this a little bit. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I included this in Kahumanu, but... Charles was preaching on uh, the theme, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And when he was preaching, Kaohumanu began weeping and he stopped and said, why are you crying? And she said, it is true. We were all in thick darkness. We wandered here and we wandered there and stumbled on this side and on that side and were hastening to the dreadful precipice down which our fathers have fallen. And it was right soon after that that Kahumanu came to Christ and mm-hmm. made this profession of faith that was so shocking to everyone. But it was this influence, this this is Charles, this is our Charles Stewart with right. his Harriet and, and, and Betsy, Betsy. Mm-hmm. who Their are influence. there. Mm-hmm. Their um, love. So they've they've been there um, a year now. It's uh, almost two years. So it's 1825. Harriet has a second baby, a little girl this time, and her health broke. Mm. And they decided we need to return back to New England. Betsy decided to go with them. So after only two and a half years mm-hmm. of ministering on the islands, it doesn't say why. Did Betsy not really have a place as a single woman? Mm-hmm. Was she absolutely exhausted? One mm-hmm. source said that she was um, ill more than it was recorded. Mm. Like she's just taking care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. But she... And caregivers break down. They do quickly. They do, but uh, they were uh, given passage free, which is extraordinary, to London. Mm. Like we'll get you close mm-hmm. <laughs> to where you want to yeah. go. You can come with us to London. So, um, and I think that was a merchant ship, not a whaling ship. But um, 
It was estimated later, if you can believe this, that when they left, after only two and a half years of what Betsy did, that 8,000 Hawaiians received an education by the time she sailed. Wow. No wonder she didn't journal. (laughs) She had no time at all. That's right. So the school was then turned over to the third wave of missionaries to Lauren Andrews. And he arrived in that third company, but not until 1827. That school was named Lahaina Luna. It still operates as a school today. Wow. It is the oldest school west of the Rockies. They had a printing press established there in 1834, and they printed the first newspaper in Hawaiian. Wow. And Betsy started that school? Yeah. Oh, that's Astounding. In the little thatched huts mm-hmm. on that land mm-hmm. that was given to them. Wow. Until Lauren was able yes. to get going, Betsy. Get it yes. organized. Yep. There were at, at La Hainaluna notable graduates, um, including David Malo and Samuel Kamakau. And the reason it's so important that these two men have recorded so much, and they were the first Hawaiians that began being able to communicate in writing Mm. because the alphabet had been developed. But they could tell about the events of the day from a Hawaiian's point Mm. of view Mm -hmm. instead of everything else before then had been from the point of view of the missionaries, Mm -hmm. which maybe it was slanted to look really good when that newsletter went back to New England so they get a little more support. Or it was um, by a ship's captain who was So this is Hawaiians writing in Hawaiian. Yeah. For the Hawaiians. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. And there's, if you ever go to Lahaina, you'll see a big L on the, on the hill. And um, that's where David Malo is buried because he said that he wanted to be buried above the tide of foreign invasion. Mm. Because you think about Lahaina was the whaling capital of the world in 1846. Mm. They had a total of 734 whaling ships in port there. Wow. And if you've been to Lahaina, it's not very big port. Mm -hmm. So So what happened with Betsy? Yes, she sails back. They get to England, and then they wait there five months. They sail back to um, New England, Mm -hmm. to to New York. And, um, I mean, Harriet lives. It takes them almost an hour to get home. I mean, an hour. (laughs) Right, right, right. A year. year, right. Home. And right away, Betsy takes a position um, in a school in Philadelphia. She has two to five-year-olds and 100 students. Wow. Oh, come on. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, my goodness. If I have 20 in my Sunday school class, I'm yeah. dying. <laughs> I don't know how she did and it. And I have help. <laughs> then she was offered a position to teach among the indigenous people at Grape Island in Canada, which wow. she did for a short time. And then she ended up back in Philadelphia. So she wasn't sure, like, how? where does the Lord want me now, to Now, is indigenous, would that be Native Canadians? It would be, because mm-hmm. it was still, mm-hmm. the borders weren't established. Was mm-hmm. this America completely? Right, right, right. Or, yeah. So um, Harriet then, as I pre- previously alluded to, Harriet had a third baby girl in 1828, and then she died two years later. Mm. So she's... Buried in Cooperstown, New York, and Betsy goes there to care for the three children. Mm. Charles later remarried, um, not till 1835, and then Betsy was really at a loss of mm-hmm. where she belonged. Which, you know, I've raised these children, my best friends, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So she returned to education, 
like, how can I establish another school? And that's what she did back in Princeton. She established and taught a school for black students in Princeton and continued that work for 30 years. Wow. Several of her students went to the mission field Mm. and um, she was the only teacher and she had the only school in Princeton for blacks and it was for all ages. Wow. She helped to create the first Presbyterian Church of Color, which was then named the Witherspoon Street Church in 1848. She used this church as a meeting place for the high school where she persuaded a Princeton Seminary student, several students, to come and to teach at the church Mm. so that they were teaching African-American history, English literature, and math. And I love that because it's she's inviting them Mm -hmm. to teach this African-American history to this black congregation and these students so that it helps the understanding on both sides. It does. The integration. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She never married, but it was reported that whenever she was seen about town, she carried herself with regal dignity. Mm-hmm. And well, she should because she was the most traveled black woman in history at that time. Oh, imagine She'd that. been yes. all over. and um, Long voyages. So now you remember Charles Stewart, the baby that was born on right. ship. In 1860, he they, they had their close relationship her whole life, and he bought her a house Aww. in Princeton uh, that was really close to the church. The census taker came to that house, and next to her name, he wrote unmarried and teacher. And even that was extraordinary because she mm-hmm. was listed as the only one during that year in the census who was listed as a teacher at mm. Princeton. What were My the rest goodness. of them listed as? Yes. She died five years later, which was just a, and and she she passed away just a few months after Lincoln was shot at Mm. the end of the Civil War. Mm. So you think about it, she's just, Mm -hmm. you know, a decade and a half born after the Revolutionary War has ended. Mm -hmm. And then she dies just right after the Civil War. And the Civil War would have been a tumultuous time to to be living. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Her Especially funeral, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Her funeral was conducted by the president of Princeton, which was a tremendous honor. And it was said that at her service that she had a happy secret. And that happy secret was that when you walk with the Lord, your life is in Christ. That means you do not live under the circumstances, but rather you live in Christ in all circumstances. Mm, excellent. Do you love that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ. I love it. And this final note is that she was buried in Cooperstown, New York, with the Stewart family. That was the Mm. closeness with her best friends, not with the Green family or the Stockton family, whose name she kept, but but with the Stewarts. That makes me want to go to Cooperstown and just find her uh, grave. I know. We always want to go on these. I know. I do. Don't find it to her. Yes. Yes. Wow. And that definitely makes Betsy a woman worth knowing. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. You know, I do wish there was more information, but just from her writing and everything that that you've done, I'm so glad that we we're able to bring her t- to the forefront and say this woman was tremendous, and what she did 
was tremendous. And I just think that when we get to heaven, we'll be going, oh, my goodness, there's there's Betsy. There's Betsy. There's There's Betsy. Betsy. I'm getting in that line. I want to talk to her. I want to know her. You know, Because she had a happy secret. Yes. That we are in Christ. That's right. Not under the circumstances, but we are in Christ. Yep. In the circumstances. And perhaps that even came about when she was on the deck of that ship, watching the waves crash over and go, you know, I'm in Christ. (laughs) You know, or sitting next to, you know, sitting on that. Right. Sofa next to uh, Kahumanu, yeah. Kahumanu is saying, you know what? I'm in Christ. Or, you know, when the natives first appeared and she's like, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. I've left everything to minister to these people. Or when Harriet died, I'm in Christ. Yeah. I'm in Christ. And you can see how that's a life lesson for all of us. What it an is. example. What an example, too. I know. I'm so glad we could talk about Bethy. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that she lived so long. Just serving the Lord mm-hmm. and teaching others. I mean, she found her niche, which was to teach, to be a teacher. Yes. Which is excellent. So, well, that's it for today. But I'm so glad yes. you brought us uh, Betsy Scott Stockton. You talked to her about her before, honorable mention. Yes. But you found more, and I'm so glad. So that's, that's it. This is Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Join us again, please. Yes, and thanks for joining us this day. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.